You are listening to Witness Essentials, and this is the introduction in Episode 1. You're listening because you want some help to be a good witness at a court or tribunal hearing. Well, you've come to the right podcast. After listening to these episodes, you will be well prepared. Does it matter that you know my Aussie accent, or you don't? No, it doesn't matter. Why not? Because wherever courts and tribunals have decision-makers who are decent people and who strive to run fair hearings, then as a witness, you will be helped by the information in these episodes. So how much will you be helped? The answer to that depends on your past experience, the quality of any advice given to you by others, how much you remember of that advice and what you listen to here, and, as always in any litigation, by some luck that none of us can predict. I have a request. If you find these episodes useful, then please help other future witnesses by letting them know about this series. Also, if you enjoy it and find it useful, then please review it so that other about-to-be-witnesses will know that it will help them too to be a good witness. So let's start with You Will Soon Be a Witness because you might be a party to a case, civil or criminal, or you may have been interviewed about information that you will share with a decision maker in a court or a tribunal, or you've received a document such as a subpoena that compels you to attend a hearing or to provide records to a court or tribunal, or both. Or, your opinion as an expert will assist the decision maker or decision makers to understand some issue in the case, and that's why you're about to be a witness. Whatever the reason that has led to becoming a witness, there are three things that you want. First, that you'll be properly prepared to give your evidence. Secondly, that you're properly advised as to how you should respond to a subpoena. And third, that you will give your evidence and leave the hearing room satisfied with yourself. Hence, you're interested in each of the following. How should I be prepared by the party that is calling me? What preparation can I do by myself? What do I do in response to a subpoena? How do I behave in the hearing room? How will others behave in the same hearing room? And, if I'm an expert, then what must I do to assist the decision-maker. All 
of those topics are covered in these podcasts. This episode and episode two are all about your preparation. Episode three is about your performance at the hearing. Episode four is about the lawyer's performance at the hearing. And you need to know about those lawyers' performances because it will influence your success or otherwise as a witness. And finally, episode five is for those who are going as expert witnesses. So let's start the answers to your questions by looking at some of the preparing for the hearing issues. We'll begin with your first interview. This episode finishes with an explanation of the layout of the hearing room. Starting with that initial interview. How should it be conducted? What expectations should you have? Well, it's important that the person who is interviewing you properly settles you down and makes you comfortable. Next, that they do not rush you or themselves. Third, that you have a very strong impression that the interviewer is properly listening to what you say and is considering it before they ask the next question. It's also very important, apart from the whole thing not being rushed, that you're given time to think, think about your answers, and that you are treated at all times respectfully. If the interview does not have these qualities, then the result, that is, a statement or a recording, won't be a good record of interview. Now, even when the interview is over, it's important that the interviewer gives you some time, preferably hours or overnight, to think about what you remember. This is especially the case if you're being asked to sign anything. In any event, having time to reflect is the best way to reduce errors. And there are always errors. The objective is to reduce them. Turning to another aspect of interviews... Everyone benefits if good use is made of visual aids, such as diagrams, maps, photos, models. The reason why is is that these visual aids make it easier both to explain and for those listening to understand. Now, for any visual that's going to be used in a hearing room, you need at least four copies of each one. That is, one for you in the witness box, one for your lawyer, one for the decision maker, and one for the other side. If there is more than one decision maker, or more than one opponent, then an additional copy is needed for each one of those. Now, when you go to the hearing room to give evidence... That must not be the first time that you've been to that hearing room. It's important that prior to the hearing, 
you're familiar with the layout of the hearing room. So therefore, you have to make time to visit it before you're hearing and spend a few minutes becoming familiar with the space by looking and listening to what's going on. Of course, if you're able to give your evidence remotely, that is, from your own office or from some other place, whether that's um, simple audio or whether it's audio-visual, then such a visit is not necessary. So, on the basis that, for the moment at least, we are most concerned with those who do need to go to the hearing room, let's now all do the following paper and pen exercise. Stop the podcast while you get a piece of paper A4 size is fine, and a pencil or a biro to mark on it. Got them? Paper, pen and pencil? Good. Now what we're doing is we're going to create the front to back of a typical hearing room. So please start by drawing a shoebox shape with the narrow top end away from you. Having done that, at the top narrow end, write a J for the decision maker. And that's a person or persons who sit at what is known as the bench. Now that is very often a raised platform so that the decision makers are higher than the rest of us in the courtroom. Now leaving a small gap of a centimetre or so, draw a line across the page. Now, any staff in the hearing room will be there between that line and the bench. We'll look at who those staff might be later, but just leave the space vacant for a while. Now then, below that line, several centimetres or inches below, draw a small rectangular or shoe box shaped table or tables depending on where you work and live. These are the tables where the lawyers will sit and typically from where they will ask their questions and make their submissions to the decision maker. Now in that space between the lawyers table known as the bar table and the line where the court staff sit On either the right or the left side, or both, draw a small square-shaped box. It is that box, called the witness box, or in some places a witness stand, where you will go to give your evidence. In some places, witnesses stand while they give their evidence. In many other places, they sit with some kind of table or bench in front of them. Between the witness box and the lawyer's bar table, again on facing sides of the hearing room, in a criminal matter, the dock, that is the place where the accused person sits or stands, is on one side, and if there is to be a jury that is, a group of lay people who will decide or advise the decision, they will sit on the other, facing 
the dog. Lower down the page, some distance behind the bar table for the lawyers, you could draw another line across the page, but you could mark a small gateway in the middle of it. Lower than that line is typically the public gallery. The public gallery is where members of the public, that is just interested people, along with witnesses who have already given their evidence and the media and relatives of the parties may sit to observe and listen to the proceedings. So going from the top of the page down, let's check that we've all got this right. You've got the judge or decision maker at the top on a raised bench. Below them, you have the court staff who we'll talk about in the next episode. Below them, we have the witness box where you'll go that may be on one or other side of the courtroom. There's no rule about where it will be. Below the witness box, on one side there may be a dock for an accused, and on the other side, a space for a for jurors, any number between 4 and 12, to sit Below them is a table, or there may be tables, at which the lawyers who are appearing for the parties will sit, and from where, for the most part, they will ask questions and put their submissions to the decision maker. Going further down the page, there'll be a line that separates what might might call the working space of the courtroom from the public who will sit in the public gallery. You too may sit there, but only after you've given your evidence. Now what we've just drawn up together is a typical layout of a typical formal courtroom. Tribunals very often have a much more informal arrangement. It's made informal by the following. First, the decision maker sits at the same level as everybody else. Next, typically, witnesses and the parties will sit around a long table, so there's no particular witness box. Also, for tribunals, you should not expect that there'll be any jury. It's also worth noting that tribunal rooms often have no space for members of the public, so there's no formal public gallery. What's more likely is that there'll be a few chairs where these visitors can sit along the wall and watch and listen to what's going on. Please make sure that you keep the drawing that you've just made for the next episode, as you'll need to refer to it a number of times. For the rest of the episodes in this series... Please note the following. First of all, this, ep this episode and all episodes will end with an explanation of a few extra terms that you need to be comfortable with as a witness. That is, words that are used in hearings and tribunals that you would otherwise not need to know about. Next, 
It may be that after listening to these podcasts, there's things that you want to know more about. So, if you want to know more about advocacy, that's what good lawyers do in courtrooms and tribunals, then there's a podcast where you can find out a lot more. It too is free. It's called Advocacy in Court, Preparation and Performance. And it has an icon for the podcast very similar to the one that is given for this podcast. You can also get an inexpensive ebook by the same name on Amazon Kindle. And either the Advocacy in Court podcast or the book will help you to understand a particular rule known as the Rule of Fairness, otherwise known as the Rule in Brown and Dunn, which is mentioned later in this podcast series. For those of you who have an interest in how things can go pear-shaped in the legal system, then again, go to Amazon Kindle for Liar, L-I-A-R, Games, or for Bone Cancer. And outside of that, you may want to listen to the podcast entitled The Man Who Wasn't There. The icon for that podcast is a drawing of a dinghy and two police on the shore. Finally, later in 2022, there'll be a new podcast that will be called Regrets I've Had a Few. Turning now to the couple of words that you need to understand as we go through these podcasts. First of all, the people who work in the hearing room, that is, those who sit beneath the judge's bench and above the witness boxes and the jury and the dock. The person who works directly for the decision maker is usually known as the associate. As well, there may be a tip staff or tippy um, who's worked with that particular judge often for many years. There may also be a sheriff's or court officer. This person is most likely to be seen in criminal cases and when there is a jury. And finally, many tribunals have a person who is known as the courtroom monitor. These monitors combine the roles done by several people inside courtrooms. Another term that you may hear is that of remote evidence or remote room. A remote room is a place in which vulnerable witnesses are taken to give their evidence. This is now very typical in sexual assault criminal trials. Because they're in a remote room, they're giving their evidence remotely. But so too, if you are giving your evidence from your office or some other place outside of the courtroom, whether it's by audio or by AVL, then you too are giving your evidence remotely. To complete this episode, just an explanation of the different ways in which parties are identified 
in different proceedings. So the starting side is called the plaintiff or applicant in civil matters, but in criminal proceedings, the starting side may be known variously as the prosecutor, the crown, the informant, or the state. While the defendant side, the party may be called the defendant, or the accused, or a prisoner. In civil cases, it may be either known as the defendant or the respondent. I hope you'll join us now for episode two.